You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is designed by rural leaders and for rural leaders. We all know it's nice to hear some things that help us do church and build the kingdom of God, but it's even nicer when those voices are people who get it, uh, people who get small town ministry because they are living small town ministry. And so uh, we hope every week to bring you content that is just speaking right to where you're at. And we want you to know that what you do in small places for the kingdom of God has such value. Um, To that end, we've been talking about outreach. We've been in a small series on what it looks like to reach out to your community as the rural church. And um, today's guest kind of speaks into that. I definitely enjoyed picking his brain about this subject, and I'm excited to hear from him. But first, I want to introduce him a little bit. His name is David Bright, and I'll let him tell more of his story. But first, I just want to say, David, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm excited to have this opportunity to share with you today. And uh, just wonderful time and hope we get to enjoy this. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, I am pumped for the topic of conversation, mostly because one of the phrases that uh, we got to casually throw around on the phone was the phrase, the liar's table, which is not exactly like a church word that we throw out there. And so I'm pumped to dig in to this whole outlook and outreach strategy. And so, uh, but first, and we do this with every guest we bring on the podcast here I would love for you to share with us your journey with the rural church and and what you value about the rural church. Man, that's no problem at all. I grew up in small town. I have always been in small town. Now, we moved a lot throughout the years. Uh, My family, I think, moved three times before I even started kindergarten. And then through elementary school, I changed schools six times, but only went to three schools throughout that time. So I've always moved. I've always been in a rural community. And when we didn't live in Oklahoma, we would move to California. And in California, most people think, oh, I can't believe it. You're saying California in a rural town. We had our address would be a large city, but we actually lived in a small community there called Fairfax. There was about four streets wide. People had chickens, they had cows, they had gardens, all the typical rural things you would think of. And even though we moved around a lot, from California and back. My grandpa always pastored small rural churches, primarily in Oklahoma, a little bit in Arkansas, a little bit in California. And we moved around and I found something very important that the church became like a second home to me. And the people in the rural church always just wrapped their arms around me. They were always real friendly. And so because we would move, it was hard for me sometimes to find friends, but I found out that the rural church Uh, It was just a great place to hang out. I can think of so many individuals in that time who would just wrap their arms around me, love on me, care about me. And it inspired me to be a pastor of a church like that, to be a church where people felt like they could come home and they could be part of a family. And we have that big thing on the door that a lot of church have. And on the wall, it says, welcome home. And we believe in that. And about the rural church, I, I just love it so much. Uh, I'm reminded of Glenn Damon, and he wrote in his book, The Forgotten Church, Why Rural Ministry Matters for Every Church in America. And he said a quote, he said, rural churches are not the minor leagues or insignificant ministries. They are vitally healthy congregations that have a great deal to teach and to contribute to the larger church in America. And I believe that. And oftentimes when you look at the greater church, 
people think that the rural church is the minor leagues. Well, buddy, when you make it to the big leagues, uh, you can maybe enjoy some of the better things of life. But I don't see it that way at all, because pastors who engage in rural ministry, they can affect a whole community and they play a vital role in the transformation of more than just the church they pastor. They can change the whole community and they can transform it one person at a time. But they get to be the pastor of the whole community and not just their church if they're doing things the way that they should. Well, hey, that's such a cool perspective. And I love how uh, both your life and your ministry kind of intertwine to create this deep held love of rural places and the church, uh, the churches that are located there. And so, man, what a great foundation. What a great place to start. So I want to dive into a bit of your journey with outreach, right? Because obviously uh, one of the things you mentioned was um, reaching out to the rural community. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but you mentioned something to me over the phone called the liar's table. And this kind of became a watershed moment for you, uh, a moment where not only were you baptized by fire in rural ministry, but it really, uh, from what I understood on our, on our phone call, became a foundational to how you approach community outreach. And so why don't you tell us a little bit of the history of what that, what that is? I'm sure some people are wondering. And, uh, and what it meant for outreach for you and for your church. Well, we call it the liar's table. Some people call it the table of knowledge. I may refer it to it in both ways, but I really believe it's the liar's table. And I moved to Shakota 12 years ago now, and we moved from California. And at that point in our ministry, before we came to Shakota, Mindy and I had been at a large church doing ministry there, loved it. And we moved back to the small town, and I forgot a little bit how the small town needed to be. But because I was an associate pastor at first when we moved to Shakota, I uh, found myself just sitting in the office. That's what large church pastors do. I'd get there at eight o'clock in the morning. I'd work till five. Oftentimes the senior pastor wasn't even there and I would be there by myself. And an old minister in town named Wayne came to me and he said, David, what are you doing every day at the church? Are you remodeling? Are you working? Are you plumbing? Are you fixing something? I said, no, I'm studying. I'm doing what pastors are supposed to do. And he invited me to what he called the table of knowledge. I'm the one that changed the name when I found out what it was like. But it was just a great place to hang out. Again, I had moved. I didn't have friends. I didn't know anybody in the community. And Wayne taught me how to be a pastor in a rural community. He brought me into the table, introduced me as somebody from California, which did not go over very well. But he said, I'm from California. David's from California, and he's a good guy. It gave me credibility into the community instantly. And so as I sat around the table of knowledge, the liar's table, I just found that these guys became the greatest of friends. They were so fun to hang out with, and they would be in their overalls or sitting there getting ready to go out and work on the farm or raise their cattle, whatever they had planned for the day. But their day would begin by telling lies around the table. And my introduction into it was amazing. But after a short time, I left the ministry as associate pastor. I started working in U.S. missions with the Assemblies of God. And I found my place in one of those days that we don't like to admit it as pastors. But I came to this spot where I was done. And I said, God, why did you bring me to Shakota, Oklahoma? 
And that's how my day started. I was working in U.S. missions, but it wasn't paying the bills. So I was doing every kind of odd job I could think of, trying to make a little extra money. I had a job lined up for that day. I didn't want to talk to anybody, but I was hungry. So I went to Irene's Country Cooking, where the liar's table was. And I walked in there, and I didn't want to sit at the table. I, I was so mad with God and just life and frustrated I went and sat in the corner away from everybody, and I made my way in that corner, sat down, almost pouting, God, why did you bring me into this place, kind of an attitude, and as I sat there and made my order, somebody sat down, and I did not have time to talk to him. I needed to get on out to this job and make money, and as I sat there, the individual started to share with me about how his son had committed suicide. And now, again, I was not pastoring. I was not his pastor. I didn't have a title of pastor. And I was worried about what God had brought me there for. 45 minutes we shared about this situation. And I just talked about the love of Jesus. And I had other things to do. But instantly, I was able just to share with him about God and about this moment. And he was a follower of Jesus, but just really struggling with what had happened. And I understood why. So as we sit there for 45 minutes, he gets up and I'm getting ready to get up and he slides out of the booth. No lie. And a guy slides in right behind him and sits down and starts talking to me about his business for 45 minutes. So now I've gone an hour and a half and he's wanting to know about his business plan, what's happening there and what my advice would be for him. And, and I'm like, why are you asking me this? He said, because you understand, you understand business. And I had a business background. So sure. So now an hour and a half has gone by and he gets up and I am trying to get up as he slides out. No lie. Once again, somebody else sits down and they talk to me for 45 minutes and they they, at that time, was not a believer in Jesus Christ, and I got to share with them about the love of Jesus. So now I've three people, 45 minutes long. My day is gone. I'm not sure what I'm even doing there. I didn't want to sit at the liar's table, but they came to me and talked with me individually, different people. And so all this time was wasted, I thought. And I made my way out the truck, getting ready to make the phone call, because that's where I left the phone number for this little job I needed to go do. And God said, that's why I brought you to Shakota to be the pastor of the liar's table. And I would love to say, you know, that it's been an amazing journey, but it has been this exciting journey of getting to be able to baptize some of them. That guy that we talked about who did not know Jesus, I baptized him a couple years later in his 70s. And also, I've done many funerals. I've been there with families when someone has passed away. It's been the most amazing experience of learning how to be the pastor of the liar's table. And we'll probably talk about our church a little bit later on. But in that process, these men from the liar's table became our church when we planted the church a few years after that in the community. It was an amazing experience. The liars. I could go on for hours. I better oh, stop sure, sure. telling the stories there well, about it. Honestly, uh, just hearing your passion is contagious, you know, because I, I think uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, the, the light bulb that comes on is the realization that pastoring is meant for the, the everyday lives of people, the living, the dying, everything in between is the essence of what we do as ministers. And like, what a cool 
I mean, it's very, it's also very much uh, exactly how God would deal with somebody pouting in a corner is just to keep sending you people. <laughs> like, that's he has so a unique weird. sense of humor, I believe. <laughs> just... Honestly, gosh, I love that. And what an opportunity for ministry. What an opportunity to connect with uh, with people who, yeah, at the time may not have darkened a church door or, or may not have felt comfortable in another place. And all just from sitting down at, at a table, you know. Um, so, so let's, you know, I, I know you mentioned we're going to jump into your church. So I kind of want to touch base. Obviously, the Liars Table becomes kind of this core group that becomes your church. And uh, what's the culture of your church in regards to outreach? Like, how did your experience with the li- Liars Table kind of become, you know, how is this influenced? I believe you call your church Cowboy Church. I don't know if that's the official name. Oh, it's Granite Station Cowboy Church. Granite Station. I love that. Granite Station Cowboy Church. So how did this experience with the Liars Table, and then it turns into, here's this core group, and now how has that affected your church years down the road? Well, it it completely messed me up for ministry because I needed the title. I wanted that title of pastor. God, you've called them to be pastors, evangel- you know, all this title. Sure. As I was seeking the title, I forgot that God called me to be a servant. And so learning to be a servant of the community is the transformation that happens. So Granite Station Cowboy Church, you asked about it. Well, I can just start off and say it's unique. I know other people would say that, but most of the individuals who attend our church do not come from a traditional church background. They are unchurched people. doesn't mean they're bad people. doesn't mean they're crazy people. They're wild. They're like their pastor. But they are unique individuals that have unique stories. We're very laid back. We enjoy spending time with one another. We're very fellowship-driven. When we built the church and end up putting in a big, long bar, and I have to be careful saying a bar because I know it has many different meanings, but in the bar that we have and we set up, uh, we plug, we have it set up so we can do potlucks and dinners. We are in the South a little bit in Oklahoma. We love to eat and we love casseroles and we enjoy you know, beans, et cetera, all these things that need plug-ins. So we built it with a mind of fellowship. The whole church is geared around sitting around the table and talking to one another. When you come into the church, you enter into a place of sitting down at the bar. There are around in long tables that we've built and people sit around, talk and eat donuts. We do that for up to an hour before church service starts. Our church service starts at 10, but starting at nine o'clock, individuals start showing up and they just sit around the table and talk. It's very fellowship driven and people driven. But we're a gathering place. We understand that. And our kind of our mission statement would be a gathering place to love, to learn, to serve and all of these things. We realize that we have to love God. And if we love God, like we say that we do, that means we love people. And if we love people, that means we have some important things we need to do. We preach the word of God. That's so important to preach the word of God. But also preaching the word of God is not just on Sunday. We teach our people that we're all called to preach. We're all called to share the good news of Jesus. That means we do our best to send them out to other liars tables. Go find the place that God calls you to and hang out there. And if given the opportunity, the last part of that, of our core values, is just to serve others. And we go where the people are. We want to be where the people are. So we're a cowboy church. So that means our people are unique. They like to barrel race. If you're not familiar with barrel racing, let me just explain this to you. You have three barrels and you start at a place, you go around the three barrels and you come back to the end. It's like watching paint dry. 
But I go and watch it because a lot of the individuals in our church, uh, they are part of barrel racing. They love it. They scream, get it, get it, get it. And I'm there trying to scream with them, and I don't quite get it yet. But I'm <laughs> loving it. It's fun because our people love it. And so I go and hang out there. In Shakota, where we're at, is a steer wrestling capital of the world. That means you're riding a perfectly good horse. You jump off of it at high speed. You grab a steer, and you wrestle it to the ground. And whoever can do it the fastest is the winner. They're crazy. I love them. But we have world champion people here. So I'm going to go be part of that. We have a big day every year. It's actually about three days straight where people come from all over the world, Shakota, and they do this big steer wrestling. I'm going to be there. And on the given opportunity, if they would ask me to do something, almost every year when I go at the very beginning, they'll see me there. Hey, preacher man. They don't even think they know my real name. Sometimes they call me by my real name. But preacher man. <laughs> and uh, will you pray before we begin? I would be honored to. So we go where, where the people are. We encourage our people to do that. And the liar's table has revealed to us this importance of accepting people where they are. I remember the first time we started the cowboy church, and we're drawing cowboys. And so I want to give you a mental image of who we're drawing. They come in, they we have coffee set up, so we have coffee cups. And this guy comes in, he says, hey, Miss Mindy, that's my wife. Can you give me one of those cups? She says, yes. You'd like me to put something in? He said, no, give me a couple of napkins. So a cup and some napkins. If you know what I'm talking about, he needed a spit cup. I'm preaching and he's right. spitting in the cup. It's weird. I promise you, we right. met in a cell right. barn at the very beginning and he was just spitting in there and uh, he enjoyed it. We have this phrase that we use and it's really adapted from the just our conversations at the liar's table. We don't care about a person's past. What we care about is their future. We want to know that they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I try not to tell too many stories, and I'll, I'll try to keep this one short. Time for one, too, at least. You know, so. <laughs> but there's a guy named Lyle that came to our group, and definitely he, let me just be nice, he was the biggest liar at the liar's table. And using the English language, he did it very colorfully, if you know what I mean. He could elaborate with the Queen's English with the best of them and use vocabulary that we could never repeat on this today. But he was amazing at doing it. And just, man, it was hard to handle. He was a tough guy. And he just to paint a picture of what he would look like. He would wear an old dirty shirt, sweatpants. And he would have on a pair of shoes, work shoes, boots, whatever. Sometimes pants leg over, sometimes in. But he was just a funny character. He came out of the Dakotas. And so we made fun of him for coming out of the Dakotas. And uh, he had five dogs in his truck every day. Five dogs. He had dog hair on him. And he would come in and tell these colorful stories. I love to see him. Well, he hadn't been around the table for a little while. And one day he calls me. And me being the sarcastic guy that I am, because I was dropping my son off at his first day of college and getting him into his room, uh, he calls me and I said, Lyle, I haven't seen you in so long. I figured you were dead and the buzzards were eating you. Okay, I shouldn't have been so harsh. Sure. Because the moment that he got quiet for a second, he said, preacher man, he said, I'm almost I'm almost there. I, I'm not doing this. So, of course, the attitude changes. What's happening, Lyle? What's going on? And he says, my cancer's come back. And it's all over. He said, they've given me just a few days to live. And so I knew what that meant. He wanted to talk to me. 
And so I told my wife, I said, I know we're here, but we've got to make our way back to Muskogee. It was a couple hours back and where he was at in the hospital. And I walked into the hospital and I didn't want to bother him. I was a little bit nervous. You know, we hadn't really had a great conversation about Jesus. We talked about Jesus, but and we had some things and he said, I know who the good man is. I, I got it. I got it going with a man upstairs, that kind of attitude sure. a little bit. And as I went to the hospital, I remember getting to the door and I stopped. I'd already been praying because I'm scared to death, honestly. But as I got there, I saw a nurse. I said, hey, nurse, um, I don't know if they're sleeping inside the room there. Should I go in? And she didn't know me. I mean, this is in the city away from us here, about 30, 40 minutes away. And she said, I think he's waiting on you. I think he's waiting for you. Yes, go in. And so I went in and sure enough, he was sitting there in the bed and I see his wife, Aggie, and she sees me and tears start rolling down her face. She's trying to smile. He said, preacher, I need you to take care of my funeral. <laughs> you know, it's coming up in a couple of days yeah. and I, I'll do my best to make you look good, Lyle. And we sat down and we talked for a little while and, and I, I got to pray with him at the end. And Aggie had already been speaking to him. Other friends have talked to him. I'd love to say it was all me. It wasn't. Sure. But I, I know without a shadow of my doubt that he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I wouldn't trade that for a million bucks. I, I, I would give all the money in the world to have that kind of experience from the liar's table. And about three days later, he passed away and I got to go to the house and be with the family and talk with them. And they said, he never talked to anybody else after he talked to you. You're the last person he talked to. Wow. And thank you so much for leading him to Jesus Christ. It's I wouldn't trade my experience for, I wouldn't take a big church. I wouldn't take a church in the middle of a big city for that any day. He never, ever stepped in the door of my church, but I was his pastor and I led him to Jesus and I know he's in heaven and it's the greatest experience in the world to be able to do that. Wow, man, there's so much to unpack there. I love that so much. Uh, just for our listeners to to kind of draw back from, um, from what I heard you say, it sounds like, you know, because when you reached out to these guys at the liars table, you were an associate, sure, but but then stepped out of that, and then we're just kind of living in the community. And and I love that, just a just a place where people were, not a title, not you as the pastor, not you as whatever. You just got to minister life to them, and then that becomes how your church operates. I uh, we love practical lessons from this podcast, and I and I love uh, when you mentioned like you built you built fellowship into the the studs of the church. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's such a cool, cool concept of like, Hey, here's how our church started. Here's what we value. And we're going to build it down to the studs. We're going to put in those outlets. We're going to design it with fellowship in mind. And I love seeing how a heart got to reproduce a heart got to reproduce. And, and, and you're right. I mean, people are going out to their own liars tables. And so, man, that's exciting stuff. And that story about Lyle, gosh, that, if that's not rural ministry, I just don't know what rural ministry is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh man. Hey, uh, yeah, rolling right into that. Um, well, let's say there's a pastor listening who who hasn't done a ton of connecting with their community or or might say, Hey, that's really cool that you found this this liar's table and you had mentioned that you got quite an introduction to it. And and so, but but let's say they're trying to do the same thing. You know, what are some practical first steps that a pastor could take to connect to their community? Uh, I'm going to give you five words and real simple. Awesome. Get out of the office. <laughs> Get out of the office. We need to prepare the best sermons that we can. I believe that. I, I'm an expository preacher. I put a lot of work into my sermons. Sure. But get out of the office or you'll have nobody to preach those fiery sermons to. 
And if we don't learn to get out of the office and get into the community, uh, we're not doing our job. So people tell me, I don't have a liar's table. Well, you're not going to find it sitting in the church. Hopefully there's nobody lying inside the church. Get out of the office. Because I believe this, the days of people to come and see you inside the church and just want to pour out their heart to you because you're sitting in the office, I believe they're over. They are not coming to the church to speak to you about life. Now, they'll come and ask you for money. They'll ask you for financial help to pay their bills. They'll, they'll need some help getting their kids some shoes or getting some milk on the table. But they're not going to come and do those deep life moments of the phone call saying, Pastor or Preacher Man, I need to talk to you unless you get out of the office. We have to get out and meet the people somewhere. It seems obvious. We would think, well, this is obvious. Duh, we got to meet the people. But many pastors wait for the people to come to them. And it's just not going to happen. You have to get out and meet them. Introduce yourself to them. Get out and meet people there. And one thing about it, and it's Steve Donaldson, and I believe you've had him on the podcast here. He yeah. runs Real Compassion. He says it this way, get out and find who the stakeholders in your community are and get to meet them and get to figure out what they're doing and what's happening in their life. If you know the stakeholders, it'll introduce you into different parts of the community. When I find that I'm not connecting in a spot in the community, I go to where the people are, find what they're doing, and just hang out with them. You don't have to be the one leading the conversation. Many days at the liar's table, because we, we've been talking about that, I just sit there. And I know that's hard to believe that a preacher could sit there and be quiet, but I sit there and I'm quiet. And the real miracle of this podcast. Learning that is the true miracle. We should lay hands and pray at the end of this. But just we encourage our people all the time to uh, you know tell people about Jesus. And I just want to encourage pastors, go where the sinners are. I grew up in this holiness movement, and we would say, we're not going to go where the sinners are. And we missed opportunities to go and meet the people. Oh, Jesus, he never met any sinners. I don't remember about anything about a woman at a well or anything sure. like that. Those are all weird things, but you have to know where they are. Now, I do believe you go where the sinners are, but you have to know when it's time to leave the sinners and, and get out of the activity. Don't be dumb. But go where the sinners are. If you're not where sinners are, you're never going to meet them. And you'll never be able to change lives sitting in your office. So get out of the office. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that's supposed to be a short answer. And I went real no, long. That was a good, it's that so, was a good so important and, that we do that. Yeah. And pulling some stuff out of that again. Uh, I love that because I think that uh, one of the great struggles that we have, because someone might listen and say, yeah, great. Meet stakeholders, go places. But like, there's still some nervousness attached to that. Some people are moving to a new community or they're wor worried about how their role looks or how they're perceived or whatever. But I love how you're like, hey, it doesn't, doesn't always mean leading something. In fact, sitting quietly at, at a table full of people having coffee is still pastoral presence. And, yeah. and you're saying it opens the door. And that's just, uh, man, that's such an encouraging thing. And so, yeah, I really love that. And I feel like there's a lot of nuggets there for everybody. Some people might be, go-getters and they're saying, Hey, I am, I am ready. And they're already thinking as we're listening, as they're listening to this podcast, thinking, Hey, I could connect with this person and this person. And some people are going to go, yeah, maybe I could just start by, by looking around and going, Hey, what's, you know, what community event is happening? We had a pastor move to our town um, and he was brand new to the community and he just uh, 
had a cornhole board and said, Hey, can I set this up at some event they're doing and give people prizes for playing cornhole? And like, that was his whole hello, welcome to the community. And I, I thought, what a simple, what a simple thing, you know? And so, man, this has been cool stuff. I really appreciate this, uh, Pastor David. I love hearing the, the stories about Cowboy Church. I love hearing about, and I'm sure, honestly, as in the tradition of the liar's table that I've been able to gather, we could probably sit on here for much longer than this uh, than this call will allow. But but uh, thank you for your time today. I just want to say thank you for the for the information. I really believe it's going to bless a lot of people. And so thanks, thanks for jumping on today, man. Man, I appreciate it. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity. So it's been a fun time. Awesome. Well, to those of you who are listening, we are Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. And we want you to know that wherever you're at, small place, big place, any place in between, you are not forgotten by God. He sees you and he values what you're doing. And so we are going to keep bringing you content every week that is spoken right uh, to what you're doing and where you're at. And so uh, if you find yourself on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please feel free to uh, leave us a rating or a review. It really helps us uh, with uh, subscribers. You can promote the podcast. And we just want the voices of rural pastors across this awesome country to um, get out to people who, who maybe could benefit. And so thanks again for tuning in. I've been Joe Apple, your host, and David Bright has been our guest, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.